Chapter 4 Skeleton Shield Aiming for the throat, Daniel attacks the second beetle. His cut is off-center this time, and he slices the side of the beetle's neck. It hisses loudly, and a spray of black liquid vents from the soft tissue, coating Daniel's hand and weapon. No light erupts from this beetle. Silence presses down from the ceiling. Daniel feels hot slime soaking through his clothes. Hmm, so they can block. Daniel thinks. He kneels beside the second scarab and stabs its abdomen sideways, beginning to saw through the hard shell around its outside edge. The sad flinching of beetle legs has long stopped by the time Daniel finishes liberating the large carapace. It is surprisingly lightweight. Putting the carapace aside, Daniel reaches into the scarab's steaming innards and rummages until he finds a long intestinal tract. He cuts a three-foot piece free at both ends and holds it vertically over the cave floor. Starting at the top, he pinches the intestine and slides his hand downward, squeezing out the contents like toothpaste. They fall to the floor with intermittent plops. Daniel throws the empty intestinal tract on top of the carapace. After finding nothing else of use inside the scarab's abdomen, Daniel uses his rock to widen the hole in the beetle's throat, being careful not to cut too deep. He reaches inside the wound and extracts a small stone. It produces a faint red glow. Daniel's arms are covered in black autopsy ooze. With both beetles dead, the adrenaline rush that sustained Daniel during the fight begins to fade, and he feels the pain of his injured torso. From his hip down, his shirt and pants are a dark red stain. Daniel pokes at the wound with an ink-soaked hand. Daniel quickly loots the other beetle corpse, making the same cuts as with the first one. He tears off the carapace and puts it to the side, and then he reaches in and finds the beetle's intestines. But as he searches for the ends of the organ, he notices a strange lump toward its middle. It's hard, like a small stone. Daniel cuts the intestine free and squeezes out the hard object. It falls to the cave floor with a thud. Daniel stoops down to pick it up, but... As he gets close enough to see what it is, he recoils. The object is a partial human hand, three fingers held together by a few square inches of palm. There are rings on two adjacent fingers, and they seem to be attached at their tangents, forming a double loop around both fingers. Daniel hesitates for only a second longer, and then he removes the rings. In doing so, he finds that they are not actually connected. Rather, the rings seem to be magnetic. Pulling them apart requires a substantial amount of force. Daniel pockets the rings and takes everything else of use out of the scarab. Unlike with the first corpse, the stone in this beetle's throat produces no light. Daniel takes it anyway. With the intestines tied around his waist, two carapaces under his right arm, the rock in that hand, and the rings, stones, and glowstones in his pockets, Daniel walks in the direction of the body he saw in the flash of light. 
He shifts one of the two carapaces to his left hand, gripping its ribbed underside and keeping it in front of him as he walks. Listening intently for skittering, he prepares to drop the carapace under his arm and free his blade hand as soon as anything stirs in the dark. A few steps later, the air seems less stale, and Daniel senses the tiniest hint of a breeze. But the faint freshness mingles abruptly with the smell of blood, and the dead man comes into view. Daniel puts everything down and kneels next to him. The corpse is lying face down on the stone floor. Daniel is only momentarily surprised when he discovers that most of the man's right hand is missing. The bloody remnants of the palm and two fingers sit in a pool of blood. The man seems to have sustained a head injury. Daniel can see bruising on the upper forehead and scalp. The front of the man's clothes is soaked in blood, but Daniel cannot see the injuries that killed him. He doesn't turn the body over to look. The man is wearing a worn leather backpack. Daniel carefully slides the dead man's arms through the straps, wasting no time to pull the backpack free and search it. It is almost completely empty. Daniel clenches his jaw, stifling a frustrated sigh. After a beat, he reaches all the way to the bottom of the backpack and pulls out a magnifying glass, an archaeologist's brush, and an unmarked tin can. Looking at the tin can, Daniel hears his stomach rumble. The confusion and panic of the past few minutes kept him from realizing how hungry he is, but now the hollowness of his insides begins to nag at him. Blood loss shifts his vision back and forth between cave dark and true dark, threatening to sink him into the ladder for good. Emptying his pockets, Daniel dumps everything except for his weapon and the carapaces into the backpack and ties the spare carapace to its front. He puts on the backpack and stands up. The air moves slightly once again, beckoning. As Daniel turns in the direction that he hopes will lead to an exit, he notices that the spot on which he is standing is darker than the rest of the cave. There seems to be a shadow over the man's corpse. Daniel looks up and sees a large black square on the stone ceiling. It is blocking the dim glow that is present everywhere else in the cave. Planting his feet no more than an inch from the corpse, Daniel stands on tiptoe to inspect the dark square. It is a trap door, roughly three feet across, with large hinges on one side. Where Daniel would expect to find a latch or a handle, are three square indentations, each about an inch wide. Daniel tries to push on the door, but it doesn't budge. Moving on. Daniel thinks, not wanting to stand still. He stumbles off, but is stopped short by a cave wall. He leans against it for only a moment before regaining his bearings and starting out again toward the possible exit. After only a few paces, Daniel feels the area around him open up and the breeze become much more distinct. A faint thud breaks the silence. It seems to come from behind the trap door. Daniel freezes for several long seconds, but nothing else happens.
he crouches lower behind his carapace shield and resumes walking forward. 